Well, this morning we start this whole new series about starting over, which is about somewhat about regrets, which is something that we all have, you know. And so this whole conversation that we want to have over the next month is about how to get unstuck from those regrets, how to live our lives in a way that regret doesn't sidetrack us or keep us stuck. Now, if you've ever been stuck before, you know what that feels like. You know what it's like to be stuck and how that can feel helpless. And I mean, I grew up in Perry County, and so I've experienced stuck many times. I remember um, as a teenager in the winter thinking I can make it across that muddy creek on my dirt bike. And I was wrong. And I was stuck in the creek in the winter. In the, you know how cold that is? It's really cold. And then you, have to ride, then you have to push your bike motorcycle out of that, and then you have to ride it home. It is really cold, you know? That was not a good feeling. Or maybe stuck in a snowdrift. I remember as a kid uh, plowing parking lots with my dad, and uh, my mom told my dad, I think this is the least efficient way for you to plow this lot. And I heard this whole conversation with them going on, and then she convinced him that she, he should just plow it the other way, they'd get done a lot faster. And sure enough, the first like, swipe he took, he got stuck in this snowdrift because it was you know, drifted really deep, and we had to walk five miles home. And let me tell you, if you're a kid about seven years old walking home with your parents who just had this whole thing going on, that's a fun walk five miles home in the cold at night. So um, you know what it feels like to get stuck, but to be stuck with regret, to be stuck with a repeating cycle of doing things that you're just like, oh, why can't I get this right? What is going on? That repeating cycle, it's a whole other thing. And that's why we're talking about starting over. That's why this is such an important conversation because it's a time of year where we think about starting over. You think about New Year's resolutions. How many of you have New Year's resolutions made already? Anybody? You already got that? Yeah. I just resolved as of this morning to eat more duck donuts, the maple bacon donuts. That's going to be my New Year's resolution. I'm going to eat more of those things because they're ridiculously good. I mean, it it was like a taste of heaven this morning. It was so ridiculously good. So whatever your New Year's resolution is, you probably know that some of you are like, yeah, I don't make New Year's resolutions because I know what? I'm not going to keep it, and it's going to be frustrating to me, so I'm not even going to bother to make it, because New Year's resolutions, as of themselves, it's not enough, is it? It's not enough to just make a New Year's resolutions. Sometimes we feel regret when we make it, and then we don't keep it. Sometimes we feel regret because we're like, I'm not even going to bother, because why try? It's not going to work out anyway. We regret, we feel so much regret from the last time that we don't even want to move forward this time. And some of you might be like, well, I don't even know about this regret thing. I don't know that I feel a lot of regret. Not everybody feels regret. But did you know that even God felt regret? This might surprise you. Genesis 6.6. This is what what it says in Genesis 6.6. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Now, this wasn't at the best of times, right? This was in a moment where humanity had gone off the rails and it was terrible. You, You think, oh, today is going terrible like the Bible describes this season as like there was, there was hardly anyone who was interested in helping anyone else. And it was so bad that God felt regret. Now, if God can feel regret, we can relate to him on that, that sometimes we felt that too. And, and fortunately, this is the beginning of the story, not the end, right? God did something with his regret. God moved forward in it. And because of it, we have hope. So here's my question for you this morning. Do you want next time to be better than last time? Do you want to find a way 
to move forward, to move, live beyond regret, to live beyond those mistakes, to do something new. And that's why we're going to have this conversation because you are not alone in this. There are Bible stories all through Scripture of people who had first times and second times, who experienced regret. And that's what we're going to look at all this month. Just four of those stories that help teach us something about how to move on, how to live beyond regret. Now, here's the crazy thing to me. In the little things in our lives, in the little things, we seem to learn quickly. Like, when it comes to small things in our lives, we make a mistake and we learn from it right away. Like, if you play a board game or a card game and you make a mistake, right away you learn from it and you don't do that again, right? The first time you texted someone and it auto-corrected to something really embarrassing, you learn, i got to read my text because who knows what it's going to, Apple's, Apple's has it in for me and they're going to like try to embarrass me, right? Like you, you learn that quickly. The first time you posted something on Facebook that you thought was innocuous and it turned out to be this totally controversial thing and you got flamed all over the place, you learned. I'm never doing that again, right? Like we learn pretty quickly from the things that matter least. But when it comes to the areas of our life that matter most, we repeat cycles of mistakes over and over and over in our relationships. You know, I did this, and then I, I messed that up again. You know, and I messed it up again. In the areas of, of work and career, we make the same mistakes over and over again. In the areas of our finances, right? Like, no, I'm not going to spend that. I'm, not gonna, I'm never doing that again. And then that new car sale comes up and it's the employee discount from Chevrolet and they're giving you the same discount as the employees and you cannot pass that up and off you go, right? Like, here I am again in that same place. We do that already. Now, here's the thing for me. As I think about that, Often, I think, we get into these little things. We, we can clear them up right away because we don't have to deal with regret with the little things. Like, I mess up the card game. I don't regret about that. It was just a card game. I just fix it. Just lean into a new way. But in these big areas of life, we have regrets. We become gunship. Like, ah. And when I look at my life and your life, like, you know, there is enough pain already in our lives. There's enough stuff that we can't control. There's enough stuff that's just going to be messy in our lives already. We don't need to do things to make it greater, right? You don't need to increase the pain in your life because you repeated the same mistake. And for me, that's just heart-wrenching. When I look at, when I watch my kids and they repeat the same mistake, and I'm like, it's heart-wrenching because I'm like, there is already enough pain in your world. You don't need to repeat it again. You don't need to live it again. We don't need to add any more mess to our lives. There are plenty of things. And when that happens and regret comes, it can trap us. It can make us stuck. But God desires something more for us. But, uh, one of the a great TED, uh, TED speaker, TED talk speaker, um, Bree Brown, she says it this way. People need to learn to rise again in a way that transforms their hearts to more wholehearted. I think she's right. I think she's actually just speaking the gospel. Because that's what the gospel says. We need to learn to rise again in ways that make us more wholehearted, more healed, more real. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to start this whole conversation for the month in three myths. Three myths that we need to dismiss, that we need to say, like, okay, yeah, 
yeah, that might have been right. I thought that was right, but it's not right. Because these three myths, if you believe them, you will continue to be stuck. You will find yourself stuck over and over. You will find yourself on the repeat cycle. And so if you want to escape regret, if you want to live beyond it, then you've got to learn from these three regrets. And we're going to look at a story from, the, uh, from Moses and how his life, how we look, can learn something from his life about escaping these myths. So here's, here's what we want to talk about this morning, is these three myths. And if you want to follow along um, inside the scoop, um, you can follow along as we talk about the three myths and then we read from the scripture about what we can learn here. So here's the first myth I want to talk about. It's the experience myth, right? Experience makes me wiser. If I, if I have experience in something, I'm wiser because I, he already did that, right? Because I'm wiser now that I have experience. But you know this isn't true? Because, see, listen, experience doesn't make you wiser. It makes you poorer, right? It makes you older. It makes you tired. It makes you lonelier. Like, there's a lot of things experience makes you, but it's not necessarily wiser, and you all know this because there are places in your life where you have repeated. You have done something once, and you've been like, I should do that again. And then you did it again. It didn't make you wiser. And, and the fact that you've experienced something once doesn't even translate to, I'm more prepared for it next time. It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, you can repeat the same mistake over and over and over again. And you've seen other people do it, and you've done it. You know, you've been like, Listen, I, I, I am not, next January, next Christmas, I am not spending this much money on gifts. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself into debt. I'm, I'm not going to buy it. Next, next time my car breaks down, I am not going to go over budget. Next time, I don't, I'm tired of this. And, and, then, and then where do you find yourself? You found yourself going, this big credit card bill. And, this thing, and you're like, man, I said I wasn't going to do it. I experienced it. And yet, here I am. Now, that might be a million different things for you. It might be something else in your life, but you've experienced it yourself. And the key to being wiser is not having the experience. I can go out and shoot hoops in my driveway a million times. It doesn't make me better. All the experience of playing basketball did not make me better. Do you know what makes me better? When my kids come out and be like, Dad, that's a terrible shot for them. Like, you, you are terrible. Like, you need to do something like... It's evaluated experience that makes you wiser. It's evaluating your experience and saying, what did I learn here? If we don't evaluate our mistakes, it will derail us next time in every area of our life, whether it's our finances, our health, our relationships. It doesn't matter where it is. Without evaluation, we don't not wiser. Listen, I... I just shared this with my kids because they had some speeding tickets. So I was sharing them. I'm like, listen, guys, I know as young men, it's hard to keep your speed down. I get it. It's in your genes. Let me tell you some story. Like, so I told them the story of like the, the first speeding ticket I got. And they're like, wow, you got a speeding ticket for that much? I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, when I, how long it was between then and that next speeding ticket? They're like, what? I'm like, 30 days. I got another speeding ticket. Now, as a young guy, it took me probably six speeding tickets and $1,000, right, to learn to slow down, right? It was a hard lesson for me. My point is I had to evaluate it. I had to, I had to start evaluating, like, is this trip worth 200 like saving five minutes? Is that worth $250 to me? Hmm. I don't think it is, right? Like, I had to evaluate it. I had to go, is that worth it? 
If we don't learn from our mistakes, they will fester and they will move forward with us. And we all experience that. And they cause regret. So that's the first myth. We've got to get it past. Second myth is this. It's the no better myth. Okay? The no better myth sounds like this. It's since I know better, I'll do better. Right? Since I know better, I'll do better. The no better myth. Knowing better doesn't always mean that, does it? It's not really true. I mean, you've experienced this in your own life. Like, I know, I, I know better the right thing to do, but then you don't do it. And the reason I know this is because you're not alone in it. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, right? This guy who, like, man, he was so committed to Jesus, he planted churches all over Asia. This guy, like, he loved Jesus a lot. Like, this is what he says in Romans 7. He says, but I really don't understand myself for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. So I know better, but I don't do better. Instead, I do what I hate. See, knowing better doesn't mean that you have the self-control to do better. And we think it does. We think, no, I, I know better, so I'll do better. But knowing better doesn't always equal new better. And the reason you know this is because you know when you were a teenager, right? Your parents said, don't do that. Right? When you were kids, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. What did you say? You said, I know, right? My kids say this to me all the time. They're going out the door to drive. I'm like, be careful. Don't speed. They're like, Dad, I know. I know. But why do I keep saying it to them? For the same reason that you would as your parents. For the same reason that your parents said it to you. Because they knew knowing better doesn't mean doing better. It's, it doesn't always translate. And if we don't make personal changes, if we don't do something different, nothing will ever change. And that's why we experience regret. That's why often people go into the net one, your current bad relationship reflects your last bad relationship. Because you know what? You, you thought you knew better. You're like, what is wrong with all these people I'm dating? What is wrong with all these people I'm making friends with? Well, probably you're a bad picker. You probably keep picking people that are bad because you you think you know better, but you're not doing better. Or maybe you're dragging old experiences with you into a new relationship. And it leads to a string of regret. You see, the key here is this. We must make changes to do better once we know better. We must decide before we go into it. I'm not about knowing better. It's about invoking my will to make a choice in doing better. To setting myself up to do better. Okay, third myth I want to talk about before we get into Moses' story. It's the out-of-time myth. It's the, it's now or never. It's the, I've got to make this decision. It's the feeling of the clock is ticking. And I've got I to gotta get out there. I've got I to do this thing. I've got to get through this thing. And it's, it sounds, it, it's this feeling of like, I've got to rush to it. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss out. It sounds a lot like, like this idea of like, well, everybody else my age is all my friends are you know we, we think we have to be there we feel like that i'm not getting any younger and so i better take care of this and i better do it right now and this is really dangerous thinking it leads into all it leads into all these myths are kind of connected right if we just rush into we make a mistake and then we rush into fixing that mistake and fixing that mistake do you know what we have a series of mistakes because we've never evaluated it, we've never slowed down, we've never taken time to make personal changes, we've never gotten advice. Like this, this is all connected. We need to understand something. 
Because we think often time is our enemy. Like, i got to get this done because time is against me. I've got to move forward. i got to get there sooner. Listen, I, w- I want you to hear this. Time is your friend, not your enemy. Time is your friend, not your enemy. You say that out loud. This is really important. You say that out loud with me. Time is my friend, not my enemy. Time's your friend. Listen, the, when the fog of urgency, and I see this all the time, like when I'm, people come in for counseling as a pastor and you're talking to them about something that's going on in their life, and they're in crisis. And they're like, I got to make this decision, and I got to do this now. And then I, and then this means I got to decide this, and they're in, they're in total panic. And you're like, listen, slow it down. Don't make any big decisions right now because you are in a fog of emotion. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're in the fog of urgency, you can't see and you are grappling for anything. You're just trying to get a hold of stuff. And just like when you're sick and your temperature goes up, when there's something wrong in your life, your emotional temperature goes up. And if you don't allow it to come down first, you are going to make decisions that are terrible decisions. You're going to make decisions that you regret because you didn't take the time to evaluate. Listen, there are people in your life who want to give you good advice. God wants to give you good advice. But when your temperature is up here, when you are in the flurry and the fog of urgency, you can't hear it. You can't hear it. You can't understand it. You don't, it, it's like it's just hitting a brick wall. Because when you have pain, like I've had pain in my shoulder for the last like four months back, so I went to the, get my MRI, and me and Barry are going to be shoulder, shoulder surgery partners here pretty soon. Because I got this pain in my shoulder all the time. You know, if you lift your, you know, it's the whole like you lift your arm up to a certain level, and you're like, oh, I feel like screaming like a little girl right now. Like that's, it hurts. Now here's the thing. When you have something that hurts on you and in your life, right? Someone's, doesn't matter what you're doing, like when that pain comes, what are you focused on? The pain. I mean, it calls out to you. You're like, oh. And, and this, is a, this is a simple, easy thing. Like maybe I can ignore this, but there are things in your life that you cannot ignore. They are causing you pain and regret, and you know what they are, and they just keep coming up over and over again, and you can't ignore them, and when you can't ignore them, guess who you're focused on? You. That's a terrible place to make decisions out. It's going to be all about you. You can't focus on how this impacts anybody else in your life. That's why it's so important to slow down, to settle down, to take a moment and say, So listen, it, it would be easy today for you to say, I think, you know, you hear these three myths and you're like, listen, I I get it, and I get some people have regret, but this doesn't really apply to me. I'm pretty good at making decisions. I'm not like you. I'm, I'm unique, right? I'm, my personality is unique. How I approach all this is unique, and that is all really true. The way you look at regret is probably very unique. It's probably different than the way I look at it. But here's something that's also true. The situations you face in your life aren't unique. Your mistakes are not unique. You're feeling stuck and making repeated mistakes. That ain't unique. That's something that every one of us experiences, and it's the reason that if you want to start over, if you want a new day, if you don't want to keep having the same thing happen over and over again, then it's time 
to really understand that it's time to dismiss these myths and understand how to enter into these conversations. And that's what we want to do this month is give you tools and give you a new perspective on how do I face regret? How do I have a new day that's different than this day? A next time that's better than last time. And this is more common than you think. In fact, if you look through the scriptures and all the story of the Bible, you find these patterns over and over and over. And the best part is, because you see this story of life and you see God's intervention in it, you can also see how you can start over and have a new day and a new story. And that's what we're going to do today. In fact, through this whole series, we're going to look at people who had a first time and a next time. And today we're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at Moses' first time and his next time and see what we can learn from it and see what we can learn from his story and see where these myths all come into Moses and what he learned about them. So, so let's talk about Moses for a second. For those of you who, let me just re-familiarize us all with Moses' story, right? So Moses comes into a time when the nation of Israel is living in the land of Goshen, which is right outside Egypt, and Egypt is coming into its own, um, mostly on the backs of the labor of Israel. And they're a little afraid because the nation of Israel's population growth is so expansive. It's much beyond Egypt's. And so they start to get scared about what happens if they outgrow us. So they make some rules. One of the rules is we're going to kill all the firstborn males. We're going to kill male children. We're just going to wipe them out. That'll take care of this. That'll keep their population down. That'll make sure they can't overtake us. There's no revolutions. Now, I'm not saying it's a great solution, but it was their solution. This is the time that Moses is born. And his mom, like all moms, says, I don't want that to happen to my son. And so she hides him for three months. And at the end of three months, she sets him afloat in a basket down the Nile by the palace. And lo and behold, who finds Moses? But a princess of Egypt. Pulls him out of the water. In fact, his name, Moses, actually means lifted out of the water. So Moses grows up in the Pharaoh's house. He is mentored by the best teachers. He knows all about Egypt and its ways. He has is, he is grown in leadership. He, he knows all the stuff, and then he comes of age as an adult, and this is where we kind of enter into his story. But he comes of age as an adult. He's outside the palace. He's beginning to understand the way the world works and his place in it as a Hebrew who grew up in the Egyptian palace. And we're going to learn today how God invites us to handle our regret in these situations. So, we're going to read from Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, and enter into Moses' story right here. It says, One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his, where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He's a Hebrew, and he sees this happening, and he has empathy towards the Hebrew, and he says, One of his own people... Verse 12, looking this way and that and seeing no one, Moses kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked one of them in the wrong, he said, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. He thought, what I did must have become known. And sure enough, Pharaoh hears about this, and when Pharaoh hears of this, he tries to kill Moses. Moses flees from Pharaoh. 
and he lives in the land of Midian, where he sat down by a well. So here's Moses. Now Moses goes out, and he, he grew up in the Egyptian palace, right? He knows the rules about Egyptians, right? He knows what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. He goes out, and he sees this thing. He knows better than to kill an Egyptian. How do we know that he knows better? What did he do when he killed the Egyptian? He hid him in the sand because he knew better. But he didn't do better. There's a big lesson in this, in the emotion and passion of our moments, of our moments. We, we react, and we might know better. We don't always do better. So when you're a teenager, the next time your parents are like, listen, there's these principles around dating, and I want to talk to you about them, and here's how I want you to approach them, and, and you're like, come on, don't like put this down on me. I know better. Just understand what they understand, which is in emotion and passion, knowing better doesn't always equal doing better. It didn't for Moses, and it doesn't for us. See, he, did, he knew better, but he didn't do better. You know what else? Moses didn't take time he didn't take the time he needed. He didn't see this happening. And nowhere in the scriptures do we say he went back and he processed it with someone. He sat down with someone else that was Hebrew and says, how do you deal with this? How is this? How, this is so wrong. He didn't, he didn't think about how can I talk to the Pharaoh about this? How can I present? No, he didn't take the time. He didn't get good advice. He thought time was against him. He thought it was now or never, and he acted on it. Right there in that moment, right in his anger and frustration, he took an action that he regretted. He regretted it big time. He, he became a murderer because he thought he knew better, but he didn't do better because he thought time was against him. This is Moses' story. Now, you aren't going to like what we discover in Moses' story, and here's why. Because the time between his first time of what he did with the Egyptian, and his next time is not a short time. It's a long time. You see, he goes out into the desert. He, goes, he doesn't rush into his next position. He doesn't rush into his next relationship. He doesn't go spend something. Like, he doesn't do any of that stuff. A long time goes over before he starts over. Bonnie Gray writes about this in a book called Spiritual White Spirit idea that we all need spiritual white space. We need a space in our life to evaluate, a space in our life to reflect, a space in our life to slow down, a space in our life to think about our life and say, well, I know better, but how do I reposition my life and what I'm going to do so I can do better? Exodus 2.23. Here's what we do. Jump back into the story, and this is what it says. It says, during that long period, which is about 40 years, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites, in their slavery, cried out, and their cry for help went up to God because they were in slavery, and God heard them. And so 40 years goes by, and Moses is out in the desert, and he's actually, he actually gets married. He has a family. He thinks he's put all this behind him. He hasn't reflected on it at all, but he put it all behind him. He ignored it. He's like, I don't know. I don't feel regret. I don't. If I did feel regret, I don't want to feel regret, so I'm just going to ignore the regret and move on. I'm never going back there. I'm never going to do that again. Now, you've felt that before, right? you felt that like sorry cycle where you're like, I feel sorry for myself. I should 
done that. So I'm just never going to do it again. I'm just going to run away from the situation. Or you just feel like a victim. You're like, here I go again. Here it happened again. We feel sorry about doing it, and then we do it again. We make the same mistake over again because we, we never take time to actually evaluate what happened, to be honest in God's presence. To go, what happened here? What's going on? We don't have relationships in our life where there's white space enough to say, can you talk with me about this? Can I be honest about some of the feelings that I have about regret? And experiences like Moses, experiences like you have, they only serve to cause us to be more gun-shy about next time. We look at last time and we go, mm, I don't know if I want to do about next time. We feel that, that cycle of sorriness. So here's what happens next in Moses' life. God comes to Moses. He hears, the, he hears all the nation of Israel crying out. And so God comes to Moses and he speaks to Moses. And he says, you are the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy that's going to lead them out. You're the guy. You're my guy. And I want you to do something that you're ready. Like You, you can do this. I, I, I want you to be the guy. Exodus 4.13. This is Moses' response. Maybe you'll recognize it. But Moses said in response to God's, you're the guy, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Recognize that response? God, no, not me. I don't want to, God. I know you want me to, but I don't want to send someone else. I am stuck. Do you, God, don't you know what I did? Don't you know the mistakes I've made? I mean, it was just yesterday. Don't, God, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. Just let me alone. I just, I'm not the guy. This, that experience for Moses, it shook him to his core. I mean, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. He was trained in all of this, and this experience shook him to his core. You see, his experience had not made him wiser. It made him more afraid. It made him more sorry. It made him stuck. It made him wiser. And if we're not careful, we will just move from mistake to mistake because we're stuck in regret. Because we're not willing to deal with it. We're not willing to admit it. We're not willing to look at that thing that happened and say what's really happening. Make no white space for ourselves. And listen, whether you're this morning afraid to move on like Moses, you, you look at next time, you say, I'm not even making a resolution. I'm not even, I don't want to think about that. I don't want there to be a next time. Because last time was so bad that I never want there to be a next time. Or whether you're just, you're just going to drive ahead and try to make next time be better than last time on your own, but you still carry regret with you about what last time was about, we can learn something from Moses, and I want you to understand it, because God has a message for you. And he had this message from Moses, and it was hard for Moses to hear it first. But it's the same message for you today. It's the same message of the gospel. It's the same message of the redemption story that God started in Genesis after he said, I regret doing this. Now I'm going to have a new story for people. And I'm going to make a new way. It was the message of Jesus. And here it is. Exodus 4.12. This is what God said to Moses that he couldn't hear. Now go. I will help you. You got to underline that. You got to circle that. Because in those few words, 
is God's great message for you to get you unstuck from regret. I will help you. Sometimes to move forward, we need to pause. We need to look back over our shoulder and say, God, that was last time. And I want a better next time, but I need your help. And I need to stop and hear your voice. I need to stop and understand what you need to want to say to me about this. I need to know that you're going to be hearing this. So I just want to stop and give you a little space this morning. Your week's probably been rushed from all the holidays, but as we enter the space of regret this morning, the space of, like, you all have spaces, things that you regret, big and small, repeated mistakes, things that you said, things that you've done, you just can't get them back. Like, I don't want that to be my new year. I don't want to keep living that way. But you felt stuck. And you just wondered, could next time really be better than last time? And so I want you to stop and I want you to sit in this song on this video and I want you to hear the message of God this morning. I will help you. Because the good news from God is this. You're interested in your past, but God is interested in your future. God is interested about what you will become. God is not interested in you being haunted by all your mistakes. God is interested in you stopping and reconsidering and allowing him to visit you with them so that you can face with confidence next time so it can be better than last time. So I want you to just sit. I want you to be real about what that regret is, and I want you to hear God's message as we watch.
receive this message this morning. Message from God this morning. I want to help you. I want to help you. You are not on your own. And unless you, unless you interpret this message to this morning as some kind of how-to, personal how-to, get better thing, of like, oh, okay, I'll evaluate my mistakes, and I'll, I'll take time, and you can do all those things, and that might help. That's going to help you. But that's not really the advice this morning that God wants to give you. God's advice is this. No more sitting evaluating it on your own. No more being afraid of what happened because you think I condemned you. In fact, I came to die on the cross so that you could be free from that condemnation. So I could prove to you that you could have a new day. This is the message of the Scriptures. This is why the Scriptures are so important to us because you know what they teach us? You're not alone. God saw people worse than you. Through whatever you, however bad you think it was, you, probably not many of us are murderers in this room. But Moses was. And God said, you don't have to feel condemned. I will help you. You need to hear that this morning. No matter where you are, no matter what regrets you have, God is saying this to you this morning, as you enter into a new year, I will help you. I want to challenge you this morning. Go and seek. Go read the scriptures in Exodus, chapters 2 through 15. Document the story of Moses and tell how God worked in his life and he helped him and he redeemed his story and he gave him a new story. And you can see the space in between and the reflection space and how Moses learned to have that and it will give you hope for your story too. We can't do it on our own. And your New Year's resolution will not be enough. You've got to consult God. Because experience doesn't make you wiser. Experience that you receive with God makes you wiser. You think you know better without God's help? It's pretty hard to do better. You need God's help. You may think you've got to rush into whatever's next and you've got to fix it right away. And you might be a fixer. It's like, no, I'm going to make it happen. But I want to encourage this morning the lesson of Moses, which is take the time to say, God, how can you help me? What do you want from me? Let the temperature come down and say, God, where do I go from here? Because if you can't bring all those things into the, the Father's loving presence, and this is who the Father is, He is a loving Father who wants the best for you. These are the stories that we're going to talk about over the next month. You'll keep coming back. We'll keep talking about these stories of how you can get a fresh start, how you can start over, and where you can go from here through the stories of other people who say to you over and over and over from the Scripture that God says, I will help you. There is a new day. Next time can be better than last time. So here's my challenge to you this morning. and We always have the response cards for you to say, like, here's where my regret is. Here's how you can pray for me this week. This is the regret that I want to bring into God's presence. And maybe you want to put that down as a prayer request. Put it in the black box so you can be prayed for. Maybe today you want to put it down and you want to take it with you to say, God, I'm going to bring this into my, your space, your white space. I'm going to come into your loving presence and start over. My biggest challenge to you this morning is, will you commit? You can make one resolution this morning that you could keep, that you could choose in your way into. It would be this. Come back all month. We're going to have all the tools to help you process this all month. Come back and enter into the space where God could do something. And so I leave you with this question this morning, and then we're going to worship, but I want you to sit in this question. Maybe you'll be able to answer today. Maybe you'll be able to answer it this week, but here it is. 
What is the regret that you need to bring into God's presence? Maybe you've ignored it. Maybe you've pushed it away. But it's kept you stuck. Or it's made you afraid. Or you think about it every time you think about next time. Hope that doesn't happen again. You don't like to admit it, but you need to bring it into God's presence this morning. What is that regret? We all have them. So I just want to say a prayer over you, and then I'm going to give you some time in worship to consider what is that. So as you leave here today, you can say, God, I want to make that, I want to bring that into your presence today. Let me pray for you. God, sometimes our hearts are filled with doubt. That next time could be better than last time. Sometimes we look at our life and the mistakes we've made, and some of them are on repeat cycle, and we say, how could you overlook that, God? How could you forgive that, God? But you say that if we'll ask Jesus to forgive us, if, you'll, if we'll ask him to lead us, he'll lead us to a better day. We're no longer condemned. You say that, we can become the sons and daughters of God, loved by our Heavenly Father. No matter how many times we stumble, God, your promise is that you will help us. You will see us through. So, Lord, this morning, you know our mistakes. But I want to say that I'm thankful that you don't know us by our mistakes. You know us by our names. And you love us because we're your creation. So God, this morning, we come and we just, we just offer you our regrets. Big and small. Lord, give us a new day, a new hope, a new future. God, help us to choose obedience and through obedience to your great desires for us, your great joys for us. May we have hope that next time we better than Jesus' name.